This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Ten after. For Truman and Greg. Oh, you got donuts here. Ooh, grab one. I'm good. You want one? Anything going on up there? Well, I just got a message now. You're back, it says. So you're not there at the radio station. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. Well, you know, Paul, Dave Hoff, I think we're on the air. I just talked to uh, Bart. How are you this morning? Doing well. Doing well. We're just living the dream. Uh, you've been living the dream your whole life. Your dad was one of the more famous people ever down in this area. Uh, great Church of Christ preacher and a businessman. Actually, he was a man for all seasons, I guess you might say. He served in the uh, both of the Tennessee Constitutional Conventions when they were rewriting the Constitution. And thoroughly enjoyed it. Was that was that was that at the very beginning of the state? He's, uh, well, the Constitution was written. Uh, Mr. George Dehoff was not that old. No, no, he uh, he he had his vague memories of it. But, uh, but <laughs> no, that was in the seventies. Yeah, uh, seventy-one and seventy. I forget when the second one was. Maybe seventy-six or seventy-seven. Yeah, you, you come from one of the more interesting families that's ever been in this area. And you became an attorney. I did. And uh, you've—I've actually seen you in court. You—you—you—you you, you, you do a great job. And, and but you—you—you you, you seem like you get caught with all the interesting things that goes on. <laughs> Is that because you have to keep your brain, you know, going in different directions all the time? Well, you—you you deal with whatever comes up at the time as best you can. Yeah. And, and part of that is knowing when to defer something to somebody else. You know, if it's if it's super over your head, or if it's a really dog case, mm -hmm. then you recommend somebody else to handle that <laughs> and don't get into it. But if you yeah. have a massive IQ, you're not going to do that, though, are you? Um, yeah, that's when you do do it because you realize you don't want to deal with that case and you send it to somebody else. But um, Helping people and being able to assist them in what they're doing is a is a major part of being an attorney, in yeah. my belief. And that's both civilly and criminally. And I did a lot of mediations. I've, I've done over 800 mediations oh, as wow. a neutral between the parties. Yeah. Settling cases for other people. So. Well, you've dealt with all kinds of cases, but why in the world would you get mixed up in the oil business? Because you left Tennessee to go to Tennessee. How did Davy Crockett did that? Left Tennessee to go to Texas. Well, I was hired by Cities Service Oil and Gas Corporation, which mm -hmm. at that time was the seventh largest corporation in the U.S. I think we had about 80,000 employees. Yeah. We had offices in Moscow and and all across the United States. We had seven different regions. And so I ended up in the southeast region down in Jackson, Mississippi for a number of years. And we handled I handled East Texas 
North Louisiana, Alabama, and, and uh, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And um, we did oil and gas exploration and production. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember going to a seminar, and they had each well you do what's called a joint operating agreement. Yeah. And they asked people who had done 50, anybody who did more than 50 to stand up. And uh, two years in a row, uh, I had done 128 joint operating agreements just wow. just on operating wells, not including farm outs, farm ins, and other deals that we made. So it was very active business at that time. Oil is, is, has really come to the forefront in political races, it seems like, lately. And uh, a lot of people, uh, say on the Democratic side, I'm not, we're not asked to getting into the political thing, but what is the main reason that a lot of these political people seem to want to do away with the use of gas altogether? It's a, in my opinion, it's a misunderstanding of what gas is. Mm-hmm. Gas is an expendable resource. Yeah. You don't, I mean, every day you produce, you're putting yourself out of business. That's why you have to constantly develop new ways and new discoveries and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But gas is one of the cleanest, safest forms of uh, uh, energy production that we have. It can be sent through pipelines. It can be sent through uh, rail cars, mm-hmm. um, and uh, overall, it's it's a very safe uh, energy production. You know, I have actually been been out on uh, one of those um, offshore rigs. Yeah, and it uh, it was uh, it's one of the most interesting things I've ever uh, uh, done in my life because. First of all, I was worried the whole time I was out on that thing, to be perfectly honest with you. It seemed like it's constantly moving, or either that or maybe my mind was completely... Uh, if you have a floating rig, it, it could be moving. Yeah, most of them are so uh, are sunk on the bottom, Yeah, so they're stable. But it's interesting being out there because... You, we would fly out of Victoria, Texas, to yeah. the offshore rigs, and uh, you know you'd be standing out there on the deck, and all of a sudden a bird lands on your shirt, <laughs> and they're migrating to Mexico, and they get, they run out of water or whatever else, and so they they land on the rigs, yeah, and uh, um, they just you know they have just dozens of birds all the time that come on the rigs. But there's something going on all the time on those rigs. Oh yeah, 24 hours yeah. a day. And uh, was it the Amoco company that that had the spill? I can't remember exactly, but I do remember when it happened. And it British it, Petroleum. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it, it seems to gather all the news. The Merco rig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, those are not Merco. Somebody else. It, well, but it's very rare that they have those type of problems. It is, and it was a. It was a systematic progression of things which happened that uh, caused that spill, and they put uh, they ended up putting caissons over top of the thing mm-hmm. to control it. But yeah, it was a it was the worst spill they've had, other than one maybe that was down in South America. Yeah. So now, before I, we get away from it, I do want you to mention. Uh, the 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 Dehoff Publishing or the uh, what what do you call that the it, it's, it's, it's it, the Hoff Christian Bookstore at this time we had Dehoff Publications for right. years and years but we don't print ourselves anymore you don't and so we uh, we job that out to somebody else yeah so my mother who died ten years ago changed it to Dehoff Christian Bookstore yeah and uh, we service churches and books and everything else my dad wrote twenty seven different hard case books. The most popular ones being De Hoff's Bible Handbook mm-hmm. and uh, De Hoff's Commentary. It's a six-volume set on the whole Bible. And as he would say, the greatest strength is its greatest weakness, and that is its brief. Yeah. And he said, you look at it and say, well, there's nothing particularly profound about that. But Jim Bill McIntyre, who was with 20th Century Christian over in Nashville, said that whenever he had read all the deep stuff, he said he'd go read Dad's commentary and invariably had some thought that uh, was put forth that really helped him. And then he did Why We Believe the Bible in 1939. And I had uh, James Clayton, who was an atheist and was converted. He said that was the first book he read which made sense to him because it didn't use the Bible to 
prove the Bible. Mm -hmm. it, it uses science and that sort of stuff in dealing with the Bible and why we believe the Bible's gone through, uh, I don't know how many editions, a bunch of editions. The, uh, the Bible is very complicated because you go through so many things as far as from the beginning of time all the way up through uh, Jesus' time. And uh, um, for me, the time when Matthew started, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke John, uh, it, it was a lot more simple for me to deal with that than the Old Testament. The Old Testament for me was extremely complicated. And, and if you look at the Bible, I mean, it, it takes you forever to read it because once you get to a certain uh, point, you, you gotta go back and reread something else. And, and uh, I, I um, my eyes are getting to the point where <laughs> Do you you actually, enjoy the giant do, print. Do, yes, do you actually make it where, where somebody like me can read anymore? Yeah, they have, they have giant print versions of the Bible, which is very helpful. Yeah. And uh, the disadvantage to that generally is that you, draw, you lose your center column references and you lose your footnotes and things which you would normally have just yeah. by having the text. But, uh, yeah, it's quite quite widely. And it's still the you know the number one seller in the world. It should, it should yeah. always be. But the the biggest seller you got right now because of the COVID virus. Communion cups. Communion Disposable cups. communion cups. Yeah. Everybody who, you know, years ago they had single cup. Mm -hmm. And then they went to multiple cups. And now they've gone to disposable cups. And there's essentially two different kinds. There's a, there's a small cup with a foil wrapper on the top that has the wafer in it, the I bread. I hate those things. And then the juice underneath. And yeah. you have to pull it off in sections. There's another kind that's a little chalice, and one end has the bread in it, and the other end has the juice in it, the wine in it. And uh, those have been quite popular because they're easier for older people to open. Yeah. They can see which one's in, and they just open that end, and they're good, you know. You're back in Tennessee. I am. Uh, Aren't you happy? There's no place like this area right here. <laughs> it's a beautiful area. Yeah. My wife says it's too gray on the clouds all the time, but... Uh, but we do get Tell sunshine. her to get up about 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning and go outside and look at the sky. Before it's the a, clouds. It's, before the, <laughs> it's the most beautiful sky in the world. I, I mean, uh, I've got little buddies, and, and, and they, they will invariably look up at the moon and, and, the, and all the planets that are visible and all yeah. of that. And, and they've got me doing it. And... and uh, it, it makes me enjoy life a whole lot more. It's, it really a, it's a quiet time of the day that's really nice. Yeah. Now, are you continuing to practice law? Uh, I'm, I'm in a transition period coming back from Texas in oil and gas uh, professional work into uh, private law practice. I was in private law practice here about 16 years, mm -hmm. and I had gotten a call from a company down in Texas, and they said, we're wanting to hire some senior people. Would you have any interest in working for us? And I said, no. And they said, just no. And I said, well, how did you get my name? And they mm -hmm. said, well, we've had this guy working for us. He's done this. He's done that. He's blah, blah, blah. He's been hired by another company to head a division of theirs. And he says everything he does and the way he does it, he learned from you. And mm. I, I was with City Service Oil and Gas, and then we merged with Occidental Petroleum. And then I left Occidental and went into private practice. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, who is that? They told me. And I said, uh, well, I don't know if it would be everything, but it would be a lot. And uh, they said, well, would you at least come out here and talk to us? So I said, well, okay, you know, what's the harm of that? And my law partner's about to go nuts. He's like, you can't do this. You know, you you got a law practice here. And so I said, oh, not, I think I know your law partner. They're not going to do anything, you know. <laughs> and, and so I uh, went home, told my wife, and she said, let me be sure I understand. We're talking about moving from the Nashville, Tennessee area, Murfreesboro, to Midland, Texas. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it's not going to happen. You know, I had to call friends to find out what, pay was and they said and they told me all these numbers and i'm like that sounds really high and they said not for you and your level of knowledge and what you're doing so anyway i went out there that was about 10 years ago wasn't it uh yeah yeah it was yeah and uh human resources lady came in she said mr dehoff what would it take for you to come with the company you know and i said well i'm happy where i am you know i'm on the tennessee court of judiciary tennessee supreme court and i told her how important i was none of which she cared about mm -hmm. and then 
I said, but I do have some numbers. And I, I gave her the numbers, and literally her eyes got big, and she said, I don't think they'll do that. It's not a problem, you know. Five times she told me, I don't think they'll do that. So I left. I came was back. Was she just testing you? No, I think she was serious. She uh -huh. she was absolutely. I mean, because I talk about signing bonuses and stock options and all of that and the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I came back home. I told Terry, I said, well, that's the end of that. You know, we're through with that thing. Next day, the guy calls me, and he says, Mr. DeHoff, we can't do everything you asked for, but I think you'll find our offer of interest. And he faxes it to me on the fax machine. I pulled it off and looked at it, and I went, oh, crud, I can be bought. <laughs> you know. And uh, so I ended up going with Conoco Phillips, and uh, uh, I worked uh, Montana and uh, North Dakota, Wyoming, Utah, that area up there, where the uh, Great Northern Railroad went through. When the railroads were built, uh, they, uh, the government didn't have the money to pay the railroads enough money, so they gave them the odd-numbered sections of land for 20 miles each side of the railroad, like a checkerboard. Mm -hmm. And uh, they still, I mean, there's over 6 million acres in Montana and North Dakota that they still own. Wow. And uh, they own the minerals, and some they've sold off the surface on some of it, but, but uh, we were in the process of developing some of that acreage that's never been developed. And it's still held by the railroad companies. And it was interesting going into the history because when the surveyors went out to lay out the route for the railroads, they would they would look at different routes. And if one route had more minerals, gold, silver, and coal on it, then they would take that route over the other route. So what they ended up with was was a uh, a very favorable situation for the railroad to go through. And when they were building the railroads. Uh, at one point, uh, they laid track across snow mm -hmm. to temporarily get across to build the rest of it until the snow melted and they could come back and build uh, build the permanent track. But uh, it's fascinating history, and what they and the railroads were the ones who built the lodges like uh, Yellowstone Lodge mm -hmm. and uh, Glacier Park Lodge. And they built the lodges so that people would ride the railroad out there to see the, the area and stay in the big lodges and that sort of thing. And it's fascinating history. How much of that was actually Indian territory? Because uh, what you're mentioning, it sounds like, I mean, through the Sioux land and everything else. Yeah, they, they did, and they did have reservations at that time mm -hmm. set up. And where they had Indian reservation lands, they would not give the railroad lands in that area because that was Indian reservation land. Mm -hmm. But what they would do is they would give them substitute lands elsewhere and say, well, you know, you, you don't have the lands here, but we'll give you an equal amount somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up with all this uh, checkerboard acreage. And it's, we, when I got there uh, a few years ago, they had never run title on that. ConocoPhillips had bought Burlington Resources, which came out of uh, um, Burlington Railroad, which came out of Great Northern Railroad, mm -hmm. and all, all that progression of title came through. So we ran title from the Railroad Land Act of 1862, signed by Abraham Lincoln, mm -hmm. all the way up to current. And it was pretty fascinating, the history of going through and checking all the records and doing everything. We had a total federal, they reissued the federal deeds in 1890s, and we couldn't find the deed book anywhere, mm. nowhere. And there are references to it, but no deed book. So I sent people out to Glacier, uh, Montana, and they looked for it, couldn't find it anywhere. The lady in the federal courthouse calls and says, I think I've found your book. About five years ago, we had somebody who came in and redid the lobby, mm -hmm. and they redecorated everything. And there was this massive leather-bound book on the coffee table, and that's your deeds. It's wow. never been microfilmed. It's never been entered. It's never been anything else. So it was just sitting there in the lobby. Mm -hmm. And so we got it. We got it entered in and uh, got the records up to date and everything. But it was fascinating studying what was going on. I think that's one of the greatest part of our history is the building of the railroads from east to west and west to east. I mean, it, it, it's amazing what they were able to accomplish. It, it, if, if you were to just look at it <clears> beforehand, <throat> it, it's, it sounds like it would be impossible. 
because all of the land that you went over, uh, you can't hardly walk over that property. There were literally hundreds of railroads all over the United States, mostly short lines. Mm -hmm. But you had the long lines. I used to ride when when we lived in Idaho and my dad was a university president out there. Mm -hmm. We would ride from Nashville to Chicago. On, you had the uh, the Georgian, the Hummingbird, the uh, City of New Orleans, uh, a number of different trains, the yeah. Floridian. And we'd get to Chicago, and then we would get to Chicago like 5 o'clock on a Friday uh, and the museums were all free on mm -hmm. Fridays, so we'd go to the Shedd Aquarium and the and the uh, Natural History Museum and uh, art museums and all those sort of things. Then we would leave about 11 o'clock Friday night and head to Denver, and you would go all across Nebraska during the night and everything. Mm -hmm. You'd go up in the it was a dome line city of Portland, and you'd go up in the dome cars, and the sparks would come flying back past the car during the night, it was pretty interesting. And you'd get to, you'd go all night, all day, and all the next night, you'd get into Denver about five o'clock in the morning, and they would scrub the thing down, and then they would move the engines around and run, because there's no place to turn around in Denver. Yeah. They'd run the plane backwards from Denver to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and then in Cheyenne, they'd turn the train around and then head out on out to Portland, Oregon, and we would get off in Idaho as it went through. But it was fast, it was the last of the great trains. I rode the uh, Amtrak 10 years later, and everybody's talking about how great the Amtrak was, and I didn't say anything, but I'm like, man, you have no idea. <laughs> it's just a world of difference. You put your shoes in the locker at night, get them out the next morning, the porters had just a spit shine on those things. It was gorgeous. Mm. And uh, the food was impeccable. They had chefs uh, prepare the food, and uh, and they had uh, lounge cars. You'd go in and play Rook. Yeah. You know, and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. But it, but I didn't realize it at the time, but it was the last of the great trains. Well, you know, the passenger trains. Uh, I still would love to take a passenger train all the way uh, as far west as you can go. And, and all the sights that you can see, it, it's the most comfortable way of traveling, no, I, uh, bar and none. I, I mean, it really is. I, 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 even though I was just gone into the service, I took a train from uh, Nashville to New Orleans, and and then and that's when I did my first uh, um, uh, basic training down in that area. But there, there's just it, it's the most uh, comfortable, most exciting way to travel as far as I'm concerned. And and we Jackie and I took a one of those little steam engines from Williams, Arizona, uh, into the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And oh uh, you, you know, if you've never been on a train, find a way to, to to make it available to you because there's just nothing like it. We would be in the Pullman cars at night asleep and of course you get the rail click. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you're coming into towns, you go through these little towns, you'd hear this ding, 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 ding. It would fade as the crossing, you know, as the crossing. That'd make a great song, didn't it, again? Oh, man. Great sound. But it was interesting. If you looked out, you'd see the red lights go by, you know, and you'd look out and see the, during the daytime, see the antelope out grazing with the cattle alongside the thing. And, Did you see the bison up there? Didn't I don't remember seeing that many buffalo at that time. That yeah. was in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, they hadn't restored a lot of the buffalo herds yet. Yeah. So, but you, it, you've led an exciting life, and then you come back home. And to me, this is the best place in the world to live. I mean, you don't see all those different things here. I mean, this, this is still the old south. And, I, you know, I hope it stays that way. I, I hate to see growth just kind of cover up all the natural things that you and I grew up with. My wife was from Jackson, Mississippi. So she jokes about, she said, these people think this is the South. <laughs> but, of course, she, she's from the deep South. Yeah. <laughs> and and it is a little different, but it's very interesting. And the... Uh, yeah, we, we've been, when we first got married, uh, when I was growing up, I used to think 28 was about the right age to get married. And when I got to be 28, I thought 30 might be a little early. Mm -hmm. But uh, I got married at 30. 
and we were married nine years before we had any kids, and we had four kids two years apart, essentially. And, and the, yeah. the youngest one just graduated from college, and he commissioned in the Air Force. So, you know, all that plate's clean at this point. Yeah. And did, did he go to the, the academy at what? No, he, he went to uh, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Prescott, Arizona. Uh-huh. And uh, that's one of the oldest continuously operated bars in the United States. That's where uh, Wyatt Earp and... The bar is still there where they came in, played cards, and drank, and this, that, and the other. And uh, Prescott's an interesting, it, a lot of military retire to Prescott and Prescott Valley mm. in that area. Because, well, uh, Prescott was the name of the family that went from east to west. And uh, uh, what was it, uh, uh, the movie that uh, about the west where, where they, they go from one end... Uh, Not the Sackets. The Sackets was no, a no, no, one, no, 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 no. Well, Spencer Tracy narrates all the way through that movie. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Debbie Reynolds no. was in it. She was yeah. a Prescott. Yeah. How and, the West was one. How the West was one. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. I wonder if that had any truth or, or uh, follow yeah. up on that. Well, when we that. lived in Idaho, they would have Pioneer Days every year. Yeah. Uh, Albion, where I live. California had the 49ers, Gold uh -huh. Rush. Idaho had the 79ers. And there was one guy still there who was one of the 79ers. Oh, he wow. was still alive. He was in his 90s. Yeah. And um, when the gold was there, of course, they had a, quite a lot of people. When the gold ran out, so did the population. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was an interesting western area. The, the Oregon Trail came through just a little where from where we were. Mm -hmm. And I went to a school that was a... They were still using an 1890s high school, big steps up the front high school, and they decided to tear that down and build a new one, a new single-story school, which now they would have made it a historical building, but not at that time. Mm -hmm. When they tore the steps off the front, we're standing up on the third floor looking down at the bulldozer, and they're like, what is that? They went down, and the beams they had used to support the porch underneath mm -hmm. were Oregon Trail markers, which were surplus, and it said Oregon Trail 1879 down the side of each oh one. And people were down there grabbing those beams because, uh, you know, they were uh, original Oregon Trail marker beams. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's fascinating history. Have you uh, ever thought about writing a book about all of your travels and all the things that you've done? Oh, it would just bore everybody to death. You know, it's like... As what you're saying right now is fascinating to me, and I can imagine a lot of people right here in Middle Tennessee, because uh, we've never done some of the things that you've done. Well, t uh, we had a good friend named Tom Toon who was a missionary in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. and he wanted to take a boat back over there, and I told him when he got ready to take it, I'd help him with it, and it was out of Little Rock, Arkansas, called Dorcas Sioux. Mm -hmm. It was a 45-foot catch, that's twin-mast uh, boat. And uh, to make a long story short, Terry and I ended up helping him from the Azores to Gibraltar, um, sailing that 45-foot catch, four of us in there. Mm. We went through storms, and we, you know, we're down there on the, I'm down there on the radar, and I'm, I'm showing two ships out in front of us, and no, three ships. And the guy on the bow is looking through the binoculars, and he says, there's only one. I said, well, the radar clearly shows three. And we get closer, and it's a big hammer and sickle Russian trawler right there in the front of the... Uh, straight at Gibraltar, but it clearly had three images as opposed to just one that was there. That's so wild. They were throwing some kind of signal off, but yeah, it was a fascinating trip. Uh, very interesting. We went into Gibraltar and we had to go over to Morocco to fly out. And uh, Well, you know how the Russians are. Everything's always to them bigger and better. At least it is to what how they relate back to us. Yeah, they were, they were watching that straight at Gibraltar, everything going in or out, you know. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro, offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. 
call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Enjoy gentle joint exercise in the indoor pool, our soda shop, and many planned activities and trips for every taste. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential, they're open, they're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Hey guys, prioritizing your health is now more important than ever. Not only to build your immune system, but to address chronic health issues that you may have. I recommend Low T Center. They exclusively specialize in men's wellness and follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit, making it easy to get all of your levels checked, not just your testosterone. It all starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all the numbers important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have noticed weight gain and loss of muscle mass, those could be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety, including a take-home blood pressure monitoring cuff. Self-inject at-home treatments are $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. Book your annual wellness exam today at LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Early voting for the state and federal general election begins this Wednesday and continues Monday to Saturday till October 29th. Rutherford County Election Administrator Alan Farley reminds registered voters they can cast their ballot at any polling center during early voting or on Election Day. You're no longer tied to any one particular voting location. Vote at the location that's most convenient to you. Farley stressed that the vote centers are being operated in accordance with CDC guidelines with social distancing and wearing of masks. Election Day is Tuesday, November 3rd. The 52nd Annual Tennessee Fire Chiefs Annual Conference continues through Tuesday at the Embassy Suites Hotel and Conference Center in Murfreesboro. The intensive training and meetings began Saturday with the State Fire Marshal's Office presenting a community risk reduction workshop. A session of training included customized community risk assessments for each department, including demographic information, incident reporting data, and housing stock information. The convention is enforcing COVID-19 protocols. Lonnie Norman, the mayor of Manchester, is dead after being hospitalized earlier this month with the coronavirus. City of Manchester announced his passing, saying that he died, quote, after a valiant fight against COVID-19. Lonnie Norman had been hospitalized October 1st after contracting the virus. A Tullahoma teenager was arrested for shooting and killing a man at an apartment complex Saturday afternoon. Police say a 16-year-old shot 21-year-old Brandon McGee during an argument. McGee died from his injuries. The juvenile was taken into custody and charged with first-degree murder. News on demand 24-7 from our website, WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Now's the time to start teaching good financial habits to your children, and we're here to help. Hi, I'm Nancy with Heritage South Community Credit Union. Our chipmunk and squirrel saver accounts help your child learn how to save and reward them for regular deposits or good grades. Our team cash accounts help your team learn to manage their money wisely and have options to build their credit. To learn more, visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, insured by the NCUA. MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, invites you to enjoy the School of Music concerts from the comfort of your living room. The concerts will be live streamed on the School of Music's YouTube channel and select concerts will be aired on MTSU's new True Blue TV. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for a full list of upcoming concerts. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon with a high in the low 80s. Winds out of the southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight's slight chance for rain early, alone near 48. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wichitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 69. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Sit diagram the sentence. Here's extra paper, here's tape, put your tree together, you know, and that was our test. We're, we're back, Paul. Uh, Paul Dehoff, of course. Dehoff. That's a hard, that's hard for me to get used to saying Dehoff. Because we said Dehoff our whole life. People say it both ways, yeah. Which one is proper? We D-Hoff. always use a shorty Dehoff. Yeah. But people say, this, this brother Dehoff, you know, and that's, that's fine. It got us there, you know. But You know, our basic education was in grade school and in high school. Yes. And, and we were talking about our English teachers and of course, Miss Murray. Everybody loved Miss Murray. Oh yeah. Uh, um, she had a, a little bit of a lisp, as you remember. And yeah. everybody said Miss Murray, but we loved her to death. She lived in a house that was a pre-Civil War house that was haunted. I talked to her about the ghosts in there one time. Yeah, yeah. I know her house very well because yeah. she she's related to 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 our family. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think that. Our teachers that we had here in Rutherford County, bar none, were the best teachers probably across the country because they loved us and they wanted to make sure that that we could go as far as our abilities would take us. Mr. Donald, who came from Woodbury, came over and he taught English and he was he was a diagramming nut. And mm-hmm. I mean, when you got through with How his do you class, diagram English. You, you diagram the sentence. Okay. Uh, you know, oh, you, here's for, the predicate, here's yeah. the verb, here's this, this describes this. And it's, and it's interesting, I've kind of made a collection of things you see in the news media. For example, there was a picture out and said, this is a woman on the edge of a cliff doing yoga. And my question was, how did they teach that cliff to do yoga? You know, <laughs> and of course, what they meant was she's doing mm-hmm. the yoga, but the way the sentence is structured yeah it's the cliff doing the yoga yeah. you know <laughs> english may be the toughest language in the, in the world yeah because we have so different meanings in so many different ways and to, we have an ex- a lot of exceptions yeah to the rule yeah we really do but uh, the only really proper english in the united states is southern there was a, a study done there are five british accents mm-hmm. uh notably yeah and and one of those five is dead on South Mississippi, Alabama, Southern accent, mm-hmm. almost exactly the same as the British. In the United States, there were two areas that had uh, British accents up into the 1940s and 50s, essentially when television came in. And that was the offshore Carolina islands and part of the Ozark Mountains. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, who was born in 1888, had certain words that she pronounced an odd way, you know, and I, I'm like, well, you know, like you, you'd go to the police or you'd, you know, are you going to ride your wheel? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, or you can't he- help him. Uh, no, you can't hope him, hope him. It, 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 help would be hope. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was in college studying Shakespearean English and the Shakespearean dialect that I realized those were old English pronunciations. And two areas, the Ozark Mountains and the offshore islands, they had old English pronunciations up well into the, uh, some of them on up into the 70s even. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but but the languages are so fascinating here in this country. 
Now, I, I've been up in the northeast. I've been out west as far as you can go. And as soon as, as your words start coming out your mouth, everybody just circles around you. Isn't that... The, they know you're from the south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they know that you're the, from the south, but it, it, it just... They just want to listen to you. And I, I never found that our language that flowery or whatever. It just it just seems to... I, I guess it's whatever you get used to. Because the, to me, the, the, the worst of all the languages would be from the northeast because it, it, they're just... Well, in Brooklyn was almost classified as a sub-dialect of English, yeah. Brooklynese. But uh, when I was at West Point, we had a lot of, as a cadet, we had a lot of people from the south up there. Mm -hmm. And of course, people from the north, a lot of them had never had any contact with anybody from the south. And they're, they're always, you know, making fun of southerners. And, this, and so we got together and we said, okay, let's, let's put on the dog. And, mm -hmm. I, and I'm like, what? The guy said, we're going to put on the dog. You know, we're going to make some up. He said, okay, you talk about how you had a pet pig and how you love that pig. And you talk about them putting a new stoplight in your, in your town. And it was a, it was a three color stoplight, not a two color jobber. Mm -hmm. And he said, you talk about how the shoes are hurting your feet and everything. He said, they didn't know if we were serious or making it up, but it was pretty funny. I mean, no time for sergeants. Yeah, practically. Yeah. 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 I don't, do you remember? Uh, when Andy Griffith came out with the very first um, little, uh, what was it? What it was with was football. Do you remember when he came out with 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 that saying, he, a story, a matter of fact, and he he explained what it was was football from a um, from from the South with somebody who had never been around. Uh, before, if you haven't if you haven't read it or heard it, you need to play it off of the I guess YouTube or whatever it is because it's absolutely fascinating. It, it, it's kind of like people picture us in the old South. He uh, years ago when they had the baseball strike, yeah, you know, and everybody's on strike. <laughs> people were saying, you know, I don't understand why people are so upset about the baseball strike. It's baseball. It's yeah. a game. It's not serious like football, <laughs> of course. Well, football is not serious anymore after we lost to, to Georgia this last weekend. <laughs> Played great the first half, and then I don't know. Fell I, apart. Yeah, yeah, I think somebody captured our first team and put in our fourth team or whatever <laughs> it was. And um, Tell me a little bit more about uh, – I know we've gotten away from it, but – your uh, uh, shop store there on Broad Street, right? Uh, De Hoffs, De Hoff, De Hoffs, yeah. Uh -huh. I like De Hoff better. I'm sorry. Hey, that's but, all right. But tell me what all you have there, because it, it's been a while since I've been in there, but it's fascinating to walk through. That business started in 1939 mm -hmm. with my dad's uh, printing of uh, Why We Believe the Bible. Yeah, and. Uh, it went into that building in 1952. We are the oldest business in Murfreesboro at the same location. That was a small street at one time. Well, it was. Broad the, was. If you look at the building, it's angled to Broad Street, and mm -hmm. that's because it faced the old Nashville Highway dead okay. on. Yeah. Uh, we and Haynes Brothers both were angled. Haynes Brothers came back and put a front on the front of their building, which squared it up. Mm-hmm. But uh, at times you could go into Haynes Brothers and still see the diagonal line across the floor mm -hmm. where, the, uh, where the old front of the building I remember was. Remember it well. But, um, yeah, we've been there since 1952, and at its peak we would mail out. We were in the mail order business before there was mail order much. We would do 600 packages a day going out all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, those times have changed quite a bit now, but we still have, we have a lot of uh, – gifts and things which you would do for churches and uh, religious gifts, a lot of Bibles, books, reference materials. One of our popular books has been DeHoff's Bible Handbook. Uh, very, uh, very effective, very good, um, still widely used. And, uh, I mean, you can somebody call you at 20 till 6 and said, so-and-so is supposed to teach tonight, but they're out. Can you take the class? And you're like, sure. You grab that DeHoff's Bible handbook and you say, well, 
we're going to do an overview of Luke tonight, you know, mm -hmm. and in, in two pages, you've got the history of it, the background, the summary of what's there and uh, who wrote it, that sort of stuff. And uh, it's, it's very usable as a reference book. And we have a lot of gift books uh, and a lot of Bibles. Uh, and we do gold stamping on Bibles. We put names on the Bibles. Now, what, what is that gold stamping? Embossing. Uh, it, you, you hot stamp. You use hot lead. And uh -huh. you stamp gold into. You set the type up, the letters. Yeah. And you stamp gold into the leather. Hmm. So that when you look at it, it's got your name on the front. Oh, my. Uh, it's very effective and very good. So you, you actually give away, uh, or, or not, you sell Bibles for for personal reasons as far as, uh, I, I know you still have the family Bibles and, and you have when yes. people first get married or whatever, you, you would give the Little Bibles. Little New Testaments for, for babies and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty neat. So, so you, you, I was you still at do a, all of that because there's nothing that will stand out more than a Bible when you give something away like that. The top quality Bible binding is by Cambridge out of England. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at one we have on the shelf this week. That Bible, this is not most of them, this is the Cambridge. That Bible is beautiful goatskin leather, $250. But absolutely gorgeous in terms of uh, very i mean it's a personal size it's not some big huge thing mm -hmm. um gilded on the edges and the gilding is interesting originally the gold on the edges was because in the libraries dust would settle on the books and the the mm -hmm. dust would eat the paper up so they discovered if they put gold leaf on the paper then the dust didn't affect it Hmm. So that's where the gilding came from on the books to protect the paper. And of course, in the 1870s, they changed the way they made paper. They went to an acid paper production. Mm -hmm. And that acid paper lasts about 100 years with proper care, maybe 120, 130. And then it just goes to dust. Hmm. And so you'll see sometimes somebody will say printed on acid-free paper. That means they went to the old process. Uh, which doesn't involve acid. And that paper will last two, three hundred years, uh, even longer. You can get a you can get a book from nineteen from eighteen fifty, and the paper will be great in it. You get a book from eighteen eighty, and it's practically crumbling to dust. Hmm. The difference is in how the paper is made, and uh, it, it's fascinating the the way the paper was done. And you can preserve with proper care. You can extend even an acid-free paper. And if you if you really want to preserve it. You can take it apart and put it in a dip that neutralizes the acid and then put the page back. But you have to do each page separately, and it's a very expensive process. But it can be done if you've got a document that's worth doing that to. Have you ever had people come in the shop and they want to extend the life of their family Bible? That A lot of times... Uh, the the entire history of a family can be oh, yeah. part of that Bible itself. We have a rebinding service mm -hmm. that will rebound, rebind a Bible, and they'll do it at whatever level you want, and they'll preserve. If you you know you got a cover on it they want to preserve, they'll remount the cover, put it on. They do an incredible job rebinding Bibles. It's just it's and it's not a cheap process, but if you've got a family Bible or a Bible that someone has used and the covers off coming off of it. It is incredible what they can do to restore that and bring it back with a with a, a new cover on it or preserve your old cover and put it put it on. You know, I, I know a lot of families have a whole room full of historical part that has to do with their family. Right. And and to have something like that is just it's incredible. Yeah, they can rebind stuff, and I think even bind stuff if you you know if you have something you bring in that they want to bind, you can do that. But. Yeah. You know, I've got uh, all kinds of stuff going on here in front of me. What time is it? It is, I'm showing three minutes, two minutes still. Well, I don't know what it is. Uh, power in your experiences. You would probably know more about what I'm looking at myself because <laughs> I don't have a clue what's going on. <clears throat> I don't know. I know they're trying to get a hold of me, but they've gone all the way from A to Z and still haven't been able to. Relate to me what's going on. Well, it's because you have such fascinating program. I always have a fascinating program because of the guest. 
the one thing I've found to be more successful when you're on radio and you're trying to entertain people is find people who are a lot smarter than you are. <laughs> and, 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 my and, dad, it, and it's worked every time. As my dad used to say, I'm thankful for the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad was, I, I have actually heard him preach, and um, he was fascinating. It, it, it's, he wasn't one of these people that you would be looking at your watch the entire time. And, and uh, of course, Miss Mary Hall, even she would not hold up her watch when he was up there preaching. Because <laughs> yeah. he was our guest speaker a number of times during those days. And I, I don't know, I, I know that they would go from one church to the other and kind of swap with the yeah. preachers. You remember Joe Netherland. Yeah. Well, he, he was our preacher over at Science Hill Church of Christ. And uh, when Dad came to East Maine, there was one lady at East Maine who was there when James A. Garfield preached oh, while he was not. with the Army of the Occupation. Yeah. And he interviewed her and talked with her and even put a plaque up on the front of the building. Uh, Garfield would take his gun and, and his saber off and lay it on the front pew because he didn't feel it was appropriate to wait on the communion table or speak armed. Uh -huh. And uh, somebody was afraid somebody would kill him while he was doing that, but they said, emphasized, you know, do not kill him while he's at church. He's a fellow Christian. Can't do that, you know. And uh, Was that a question? <laughs> he, uh, but it was a, you know, it was fascinating oh. history, but not a history that a lot of people liked because uh, Murfreesboro had five companies of men that fought in the Battle of Stones River. Yeah, yeah. And a terrible battle. And a lot of families uh, didn't want anything dealing with the Union or Federal. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, everybody looks at, what are you looking at? I see what you're looking at. That's part of the, part of our, uh, conversation a minute ago. Yep. Um, the, um, what happened during this period is, is almost like the history has been misrepeated many, many times. It has been. As far as what happened here. And, it, and it's a shame. I, I've had people, when I was in the service, they'll, they'll, they would tell me, you guys are still fighting the war of 1860-something. And I'd say, no, we're not. But you don't realize how much damage was done to this area w when they came through. And a lot of people probably didn't even know there was a war going on. And everything that they owned was completely destroyed during was. that time. And I told somebody when I was in, at West Point in New York, they were talking about that, and I said, I said, we can walk out of our house and within 100 yards be at a tree line, a fence line mm -hmm. that was old, where people have found bullets and belt buckles and, and uh, all sorts of things even in my lifetime. Yeah. And it's still there. The history's still there and still going on. And think of how many people lost all of their property, everything, and, and lost family members uh, during that period because, I mean, if, if you put the things that happened here in about 40, 50 square miles, it's unreal my, what those people went through. My understanding is that Different areas had different status. There were occupied areas where yeah. the Federals came in and said, here's what we do. But there were also captured cities. Mm -hmm. Murfreesboro was deemed a captured city because they wouldn't cooperate when it came on. Mm -hmm. The result of that being when the Manny Plantation filed for payment of the things that had been, that they'd received receipts for, uh, they refused to pay it because it was uh, a captured area. Yeah. And they didn't get paid up until 1880s. Uh, and they got, I don't know, some cents on the dollar that they were finally reimbursed by the federal government because of all the mules and stock and everything else that had been taken. Yeah. And think yeah. about General Nathan Bedford Pars, who had to come in and rescue people who were going to be Dear. murdered at the courthouse. And he was able to save them. Think of how many families wouldn't even exist if it hadn't been for him. During the, that time. One of the signs at the courthouse says that Forrest set fire to the courthouse mm -hmm. and all the information research I've done that is totally incorrect yeah it was the Federals who set fire to it to try to burn up the prisoners and and Forrest group is who put it out mm -hmm. uh, but um, I remember the reenactments they had in uh, uh, 
the 100th anniversary in 18, uh, 1963, 64, had cavalry units riding up and down the street and, and uh, reenacted the capture of the courthouse, the whole thing. It was fascinating. They would want to be calling in in the military to to do something to them in this day and time. It, it's amazing <laughs> how things change over the years. I remember we had parades, and they would uh, actually drive tanks down East Main Street. And you remember how the, the, the tanks... Would it was hard? They would for leave them a track. To, yeah, it was yeah. hard for them to to, to keep uh, going in a straight line. They would start uh, moving around, and of course, uh, General MacArthur, when he came, you were did you actually? I, I was not here that? then. But okay. No, I mean, he uh, that was 1952, I think, and he was running for president. Uh, Eisenhower got the nomination, and uh, but. Yeah, they had a whole, there's a whole interesting history in that half the, the car he was in died and they had to push it with something else. And then half of the convoy that he was in, the parade route, one of them went off on a different direction. And had, so the back half was separated from the front half anyway. But Gene Everything, Faircloth, who he was yeah, married to, was yeah. from Murfreesboro. And, uh, you know, the Faircloth home, of course, is no longer here. They yeah. tore it down. And um, I think we respect the thing about in today's world we respect history i think more right now than than it ever has been because uh, uh greg tucker who is usually on this show on mondays and and bless his heart he wasn't feeling uh very good this morning so um it was very nice of you to uh be part of the show paul well and, i appreciate it i've been wanting you to come on anyway because you have such a fascinating history yourself and and the DeHoff family really does have have a, an amazing history in outside of the the store there on Broad Street do there's not a street named after a DeHoff no we're, we're very low profile <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if you don't have the street named after you, you don't have to worry about somebody tearing the sign down later on because they don't like you or something but I've never heard anyone say anything negative about your family. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, George, uh, your brother George, he's fascinating to me. I've known him yeah. his whole life, you might say. Yep. In your whole family. How many of you are there? There are four of us. Four boy, of girl, us. boy, girl. George is 10 years older than me. Uh, Bonnie, who was retired as a teacher over in Lebanon, uh -huh. seven years older. And then I have a sister two years younger, Theresa. And uh, she lives in Lebanon uh, and in Franklin yeah. and manages a horse farm over there. So. Now, if somebody wants to come in and say hi to one of you, are all of you over there at one time or another over at the shop? Not all of us. Yeah. Uh, I come in and out. Bonnie is there one day a week maybe. Um, but it's open, so, what, six days a week, right? Yeah, it's open Monday through Friday, uh, through Saturday. Yeah. Um, Nine o'clock to five o'clock, mm -hmm. uh, nine to four on Wednesday, and uh, nine to one on Saturday. So now, what would you recommend? Christmas is coming up. What, which one of the books would you recommend over the others? Um, now, if, if you're in, if you're from Church of Christ, uh, you don't want any of the pianos and and any of those type things. <laughs> Has your dad ever, that's one thing I was wanting to ask you. I don't know why it just now hit me. Had your dad ever mentioned why Church of Christ do not allow musical instruments? Because I've heard all kinds of reasons my whole life. It was essentially a lack of authority. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no example of it anywhere in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. There's no protocol for it. There's no mention of, of doing it. And somebody said, well, in the Old Testament they had harps and things they played and that's true but they also burned incense and they also had sac animal sacrifices and we don't do any of that mm -hmm. and so it's it's essentially a matter of authority you know if someone says well what if i want to and this is an extreme example but what if i want to put fried chicken on the communion table it doesn't say i can't have fried chicken there and and he would say no but it tells you what they did and you follow their model mm -hmm. Uh, you don't add to it or take away from it in, in matters of, of faith, you know. In uh, matters of expediency, you know, like uh, it tells us we need to sing, all right? Well, whether we sing with a songbook or whether we sing with words up on a screen, 
doesn't really matter mm -hmm. because it doesn't tell us how to do that. It just says do it. And uh, so there are a variety of things that are like that, but some things are, are more uh, uh, directive in what they're doing. And so with instrumental music, mm -hmm. it's a matter of lack of, of uh, example and uh, reference and that sort of thing. You just don't find it anywhere. The first instrumental music in the Catholic Church was in the 600s when the Pope was given an organ or something to that effect mm -hmm. and moved it in because he didn't have room for it his, at, where he lived. He moved it into the church and they used it. But Well, see, I can't sing because it says make a joyful noise. You can do that. The, That's right. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I can't make a joyful noise. That's my problem. All right, we're going to have to wrap up the show. Paul, thank you very much. Paul Dioff. And, and uh, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this morning. I really have. Well, glad to, glad to do it. I, I have learned a lot, and, and I have been amused the whole time. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.